With more screen usage and indoor time, myopia, also known as nearsightedness, is increasing and getting worse in children. Now, certified eye doctors can prescribe MySight one day, the first and only FDA-approved soft contact lens to slow myopia progression in age-appropriate children. Visit coopervision.com to find a Brilliant Futures certified eye doctor near you. Your eyes and your vision are under attack, damaging blue light from the sun. Your phone, your computer, your tablet, even light bulbs and car headlights is constantly bombarding you. The good news is our eyes actually already have a line of defense to counter the effects of blue light. This defense is made up of three pigments called carotenoids. MacU Health with Micromycel, the only supplement with the exclusive patent on all three macular carotenoids and Micromycel technology. Do your patients know what presbyopia is? There are people who are afraid of the press. Have you talked to your patients about multifocal contact lenses? I've heard the bifocal, but not right, multifocal. Do you need help with your multifocal strategy? Learn more at the conclusion of this episode. The All Eyes Visual VRP is a portable vision testing platform that includes visual fields, acuity, color vision testing, pupillometry, and extraocular motility. The visual leverages virtual reality, artificial intelligence, and augmented technologies to enable eye care providers to test for and monitor common eye diseases. Visit alleyes.com for more information. Good morning, I'm Dr. Kerry Gelb, and welcome to Open Your Eyes Radio, Please listen as I discuss the newest information in the world of health, nutrition, and sports every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Central on AM 1280 The Patriot. Also, please share your thoughts by emailing me at drkerrygelb at gmail.com. That's D-R-K-E-R-R-Y-G-E-L-B at gmail.com. For many people, obtaining optimal health is not simply exercise alone or the newest fad diet. Optimal health for most of us includes a combination of factors, including stress reduction, detoxification, non-processed foods, movement, sleep, and much more. Today's guest, Dr. Sharon Yeh. Today, Sharon shares her mission of helping people achieve optimal health. Dr. Yeh gave up her 20-year career as a clinical pharmacist and now is trained in functional medicine. She is the founder of the Sharon Yeh Wellness, she is a certified nutrition specialist, a certified hypnotist. That's interesting. I can't wait to learn more about that. Maybe you can hypnotize me while we're doing this. Combining her training and experience, she brings a mind and body approach to assist people in releasing stress and guilt around self-care so they can achieve better sleep, have more energy, and enjoy a long-term active, healthy lifestyle. Her website, info at drsharonyay.com, it's info at Dr. Sharon and yay is yeh.com. She has two free resources currently available on her website guilt free snacks for those everyday stressful moments and mini hypnosis audio for peace and calm. Dr. Yay, welcome. Hello, everyone. I am so happy to be here with you. And yeah. we're happy to have you. We're so happy to have you. And <laughs> we're going to learn a lot today about being healthy. So let's yes. start off with what is functional medicine versus conventional medicine? Okay, that's a great question. 
So I like to explain that functional medicine um, is the operating system. It's the way of looking things. So what do I mean by that? Um, functional medicine looks through the lens of what's causing the chronic health symptoms or what's causing the diagnosis. And so look, looking for the root causes of the issues. So this, this is an analogy I usually um, make for people to understand. So for example, my car, okay? So I have my cars uh, check the tire signal is on. So I know, okay, the tire pressure is low now. So I take my car to gas station to pump into some air. Okay, the, the, now the light signal is gone, but did I really solve the issues? No, I did not because in reality, the low tire pressure is actually caused by a big nail in the tire. So similar to functional medicine, we are trying to find the root causes or the triggers of the issues. So you were a pharmacist by, yeah. tra by training. You still are a pharmacist by training. Yes, yes. And, uh, but you found a love in the, the why. Of, in, when people get sick and they have chronic illness, why they have these chronic illness rather than just treating the symptoms. Mm -hmm. And there's some root causes that we look at, such as sleep and exercise and uh, hydration, nutrition, stress reduction. If you could go through some of that, those those key roots for us. So as we go through the interview, the person listening could kind of get a feel for where we, we're going rather than we, we're just going to give you a pill to treat your <laughs> symptoms. Okay, yeah. So transition from being a pharmacist to functional medicine nutritionist. Yeah, that's like, what are you doing, right? People were like, are you crazy? But when I really uh, think about it, the root causes, and I'm going to really bring down to the foundation. So looking at the lifestyle, and you mentioned, um, Dr. Carey, is the sleep, uh, the movement, are we moving? And people might think about exercising, but it's actually just some movement throughout the day or lack of movement throughout the day can cause problems. Um, diet nutrition is a big, big component. Um, believe it or not, a lot of um, information actually get triggered by food, or I should say food additives, things that's in the food. Um, and you mentioned sleep. We live in a society where there is, I call it light deficiency, meaning we are not getting enough sunlight during the day, but there's too much light at night from the screen, from the phone, from you know our, our lighting. Um, so that's one of the, and the other thing is environment. Like what's in your environment? And I'm talking about environmental toxin exposure. So this can be from food, from water. If you know what's in the water, um, you might want to consider drinking filter water. So those are uh, different things. And one very important thing is stress. So when I think about stress, there are different types of stress, psychological stress, physical stress, um, emotional stress. So these are all different components. So really just bring everything down to lifestyle and what we can do every day to improve our health. You mentioned the sun. 
You know, we're told by <laughs> conventional medicine to stay out of the sun. <laughs> but this, there's studies that show that, and I, I don't remember the statistic exactly. Uh, there was a book written about the sun and that being out of the sun compared to being in the sun there's like almost like a 500 times greater risk of having a disease if you never go out in the sun. Mm -hmm. So you could talk to us about some of the benefits of being in the sun versus safe sun versus some of the uh, the dangers. Sure. So when I think about being in the sun, I'm thinking about every day when we wake up, um, going out to get the sun exposure or um, open the windows a lot of sunlight to come into our house so the first 20 30 minutes after waking get some sun exposure this is a signal for the bodies you say hey wake up and the cortisol start to release um, and throughout the day it's best to get some exposure but I'm not talking about six, seven, eight hours of continuous exposure under a big sun. I'm in Texas, so it gets really hot in the summer anyway. So. Um, but getting sun exposure allows the vitamin D to be produced. And you probably already know, and just like a lot of people I've heard throughout the past few years, vitamin D is not just a vitamin D. Vitamin is actually a hormone. So it plays a big role in the immune system in addition to others. Um, so getting the sun exposure first thing in the morning, throughout the day, 15 minutes, 20 minutes here and there. But at the end of the day, um, and recently I've been reading about getting some sunlight exposure during sunset time. It also is a signal for the body to, okay, it's time to turn down or relax because it's night or nighttime is coming. So it's following through this circadian rhythm. And that's what our body, our ancestors built to do, right? So, yeah. and the sun also increases nitric oxide and right, uh, right. the blood vessels will dial, dilate. And I know you talk a lot about getting blood to the brain and we're, we're going we're gonna mm -hmm. to get mm -hmm. to that. So, you know, the sun has many benefits, but how about when you're staring at a, a digital device and you're just getting unopposed, just blue light, and you're not getting the infrared or some of the other rays of light that we mm -hmm. do get from the sun, the full spectrum. Yeah, so one big thing about blue light exposure is at night. Um, I have these like orange glasses, the anti-blue light glasses that I wear after 7 p.m. to block off the, the blue light. Um, so the blue light is a signal for the body to increase cortisol production and meanwhile decrease melatonin production. So that's why for a lot of people, it feels stimulating at night and that cause insomnia or unable to fall asleep. You know, with the light bulbs that we have now compared to the old light bulbs that used to give more of, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, of, you know, a more broader rays of light, a mm -hmm. more spectrum of light. Uh, Dr. Ye, is there anything you want to add to unopposed, uh, just blue light coming off the digital screens, especially at night, uh, and different types of light bulbs? Should we should we go back to the old incandescent light bulbs? Oh, um, should we go back to the old type of light bulb? I think it's controversial because people want to talk about the energy conservation perspective. 
honestly, in my house, I have a mix um, type of light bulbs throughout um, my my house. So I haven't honestly been paying attention to what light bulb to use. Um, but I do be very cautious about wearing the uh, blue blocking glasses at night and using the software that block or at least diminish the blue light from the devices. It's very common. Almost all the computer, the phone, they have that. So that, that's very helpful to block the blue light. So you, you talk about some of the patients that you've seen and you had a patient recently who you test the omega-3 to omega-6 ratio. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about why that test is important and how that could actually affect and keep, would some people actually keep weight on if that ratio is negative? Mm. So omega-3 and omega-6 is a very fascinating topic um, because I was actually taught or at least under impression that the more omega-3 that you have, the better it is, right? A lot of people think it that way. But I believe that every single thing in the body has its purpose. So when we look at omega-3, omega-6, it's actually a family of fatty acids. It's not just one or two. It's a family. And omega-3 in general, it has anti-inflammatory effect. And omega-6 generally has inflammatory effect. And omega-6 is needed to uh, mount inflammation. And what do I mean by that? Well, when our body is attacked, for example, by bacteria like getting sick, the immune system has to start the defense, right? So this is when omega-6 fatty acid comes into the role. A part of it is to mount, help mount inflammation response. And after the initial attack that is gone, then we need to bring the body back to baseline. So this is where omega-3 fatty acids comes into place where it has anti-inflammatory effect. So think about if omega-3 fatty acids are so elevated, can we really mount the, the inflammatory effect from omega-6? So that's one part of it. Um, and so looking at a diet can give us some guess or some educated guess about the balance. So omega-3 is generally the best place to get is from fish, fatty fish. And for the client that you, you talk about, she doesn't really like fish. So um, when looking at that, I know that her omega-3 level is probably on the lower end. And omega-6 fatty acid comes from a lot of other sources like meat. Um, so just really looking at the fats, or the diet can give us some estimate guess about the ratios. But the best to get a precision uh, result is to do the test. And how is that test done? Is a finger prick test? Uh, so the there are different uh, testing for omega-3 and 6. So there is a fingerprint pr a prick. Um, but for the test I usually use for my clients called Neutral Evolve. And this is a blood draw plus urine. So it's not just omega-3, omega-6. It's actually a whole panel of micronutrients, um, metabolism, including the omega-3 and 6 and other saturated fatty acids, um, as well as the 
the uh, GI or gastrointestinal markers to see how your digestion are working. So, so when you have somebody that's off balance that way, you just don't give them, tell them to take omega threes. You have oh. more of a balance, right? Uh, no, explain that a little bit. That approach. Yeah. Sure. Um. So when somebody presents to me who have a lot of symptoms, I look at how inflamed this person is, and how do you know that? Um. Again, look at the symptoms, and when someone is inflamed, that is not the time to give a lot of omega three, because omega threes is one the product can be easily oxidized, so it become rancid, and give it that rancid omega three to people, it can cause more inflammation. And the other thing is, when the body is inflamed, we really want to do. Um, as a priority is to bring down the information. However, I do suggest if the clients like fish, that's eat fish two to three times a week. That will be um, my first approach to increase omega-3 fatty acid level and what through kind of dietary. Fish, and what kind um, of fish contains omega-3s? And we don't have to worry about too much mercury. So salmon, um, sardine, Hot, these are good sources for omega-3. Now, some people come in and they have a lot of belly fat, and we know the problems with belly fat because it could be very inflammatory. Now everybody's running and getting these uh these injections, Ozempic <laughs> uh injections to try to take a shortcut. But what does it mean to you when somebody comes to you, they have a lot of belly fat, they're inflamed and they're bloated? Can we get rid of can we get rid of that uh, through diet and nutrition rather than running for the drugs? Or should we just <laughs> run for the drugs? Yes, every every pill for every eel, right? <laughs> That's a quick fix. So great question because this discussion actually has come up. And um, I want to say this, whether to use the medication or not is completely up to the client, to each individual. And that discussion has to occur with you and the doctor. But before that decision is made, there are a lot of other factors to consider. So Dr. Kerry, you mentioned the, the belly fat. And the first thing I think of is belly fat is usually related to cortisol. So how much stress is this person under? So stress, what do we do? Stress eating. A lot of people do that, right? To feel better, we eat. Um, so that's one thing we have to look at. Is there a emotional eating component to it? And uh, bloating, well, what's causing the bloating? It can be from inflammatory food. It can be also from digestive, um, the gut microbiome imbalance. Um, and then nutrition. So sure. what, are, what are some inflammatory foods? What should we avoid? What should we eat? Oh, inflammatory foods are those, I'm going to say delicious, yeah. <laughs> because they are the, the very the ultra-processed food, like chips, cookies. Um, and of course, they are better version of those snacks. Um, but first thing I would recommend avoiding is the processed food. So if they are not in the nature form, like the vegetables in its original forms or as close as possible um, or fruits, then the processed food can be very inflammatory. 
and uh, everything should just have one ingredient, right? Broccoli, <laughs> organic, you know, an apple. If you're looking at things in a box or bag or a can, and it has 40 ingredients that you, that you can't pronounce or your doctor can't pronounce, that's probably processed food. Yes, yes. And uh, I'm going to tell you a story and share a story. So I have a daughter and my daughter is eight year old now. So I started to uh, teach her about reading the labels in the grocery store. And it's really easy to teach kids because they know the names of the the real food, like they know strawberries, right? But they can't really pronounce the chemical names. So, <laughs> so I trained her, if you cannot pronounce ingredients, that's probably not the items that we want to bring home. <laughs> right. So we can't, well, if we can't pronounce it, we probably should stay away from it because <laughs> we're eating chemicals. And eventually, right. most people, the chemicals are, are going to catch up with us. But there is one spice that we know of that could help us lose body weight. Can you tell us about that spice? Which one? Cinnamon. Because, Can you tell us oh, about okay. Because I was like, there's a lot of spices. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so cinnamon, um, and we're talking about probably one gram at a time. It can help lower blood sugar. So when we lower blood sugar, we stabilize the blood sugar, we stabilize the insulin. And actually... In addition to that, we also want to stabilize the cortisol, and we can chat more about that. Um, and, and you can add cinnamon to lots of foods. Is that yes? Correct? Oh yes, 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 definitely. Um, if people like to eat oatmeal in the morning, I will add cinnamons. In addition to that, I will also eat, add protein and fat to my oatmeal to and, get a more balanced diet. Because I know there was a study done on cinnamon at two grams for about 12 weeks and people did uh, lose weight and their blood sugar got a little, got more regulated. So mm -hmm. and I don't think there's a big downside to taking cinnamon as far as I know. Uh, do you know any side effects from that? That I, guess, I think that study was in clinical nutrition uh, mm. in 2020. So uh, any downside to cinnamon? No, I'm not aware of any side effects in related to cinnamon. Well, that's good. So people could have <laughs> their cinnamon, unlike maybe some weight loss pills or although, uh, but uh, this is Dr. Kerry Gelb for Open Your Eyes Radio. We're talking with Dr. Sharon Yeh, and she's a clinical pharmacist, certified nutrition specialist, and a hypnotist. I'm really interested in what it's like to be a hypnotist and I want to see if she could hypnotize me to I could grow some hair so <laughs> so we'll be back in just a moment after this break with Dr. Sharon Yeh. Macu Health your science born and tested solutions for visual performance macular degeneration and dry eye syndrome new products coming soon embrace the science. The All Eyes Visual Oil VRP is a portable vision testing platform that includes visual fields, acuity, color vision testing, pupillometry, and extraocular motility. The visual leverages virtual reality, artificial intelligence, and augmented technologies to enable eye care providers to test for and monitor common eye diseases. Visit alleyes.com for more information. We're back with Dr. Sharon Yeh, certified nutrition specialist, hypnotist, and she's also a clinical pharmacist and a functional uh, nutritionist, functional medicine person. 
So we, when we left for the last break, we were talking about getting rid of belly fat and she gave us some tips on that. So what are some of the foods that cause allergies that are common for allergies that we may, if we are experiencing some allergies or what would we be experienced and what food should we look at? Okay, great question. So uh, to answer the question, I would like to start with talking about the definition a little bit. So food allergy versus food sensitivity. Um, there, there's a differences between these two. And there's actually another one, it's called food intolerances. So when I hear about food allergy, I'm thinking about, uh, for example, peanut allergy. So kids who are allergic to peanut, they cannot be exposed to peanut. They may have these all uh, very severe reactions like rash or difficulty breathing. So the allergy is mediated by IgE versus food sensitivity. And going back to allergy, allergies reactions more uh, immediate. You're going to see it right after exposure to the food or maybe within a few hours. Um, food sensitivity, it's not media by IgE, it's media by IgG. So the the reactions to um, the food sensitivity is more subtle. And the symptoms can be very generalized, like all over. Um, for example, I'm trying to think, um, I have someone who is sensitive to dairy. But when I talk about sensitivity to dairy, it's not lactose intolerance. It's not stomach upset. It's actually when she was exposed to dairy product, she would start to have these um, mucus production that she has to clear the throat more often or she will experience brain fog. So these reactions are, are more um, subtle. They don't occur immediately. It can occur a few hours after exposure or even days after the exposure. And food intolerances, the most commonly known is lactose intolerance. You have lactose intolerance, you drink milk, and you had to go to the bathroom. And how, and, about, um, how about gluten and as far as sensitivity there? Oh, yeah. So uh, gluten sensitivity versus you know someone who has celiac issues. So for someone who has celiac condition, they have to avoid gluten completely. Um, gluten sensitivity, it, this is, to me, is a very gray zone and just depends on how you feel. Like, how do you feel after gluten exposure? Like for me personally, when I eat um, bread that's not gluten-free, I'm going to feel it. And my reaction, how I feel afterwards, I feel so uh, fatigued and tired and just feeling off after exposure. And, you know, eggs are a lot of times on this list. And mm -hmm. does it matter if the eggs are pastured, raised from, you know, regular chickens that are grazing and eating worms and uh, bugs like they're supposed to, as opposed to chickens that are fed corn and soy? And so if, if a person is eating chicken eggs that from a chicken from corn and soy, they may have a sensitivity, but not from... Uh, chickens that are naturally raised and because mm. many people feel eggs are a very healthy food because it has all the vitamins and minerals and nutrients to to form a baby chicken 
I agree. I mean, I love the pasteurized the eggs. Um, so when it comes to allergy versus sensitivity, eggs, we are talking about the proteins. So the, the egg protein, so that's what the body is react to. So in that sense, where, how the chickens raised may not make a difference. But if, if I'm not sensitive to egg, I would choose the ones that's raised in pasture. And how about nightshades? You know, we think of uh, vegetables usually as being very good for us, mm -hmm. but some people could be sensitive to nightshades. If you could explain what nightshade vegetables are and why are people sensitive to them? So nightshade vegetables are the tomatoes, the potatoes, um, and, and also the uh, sweet Egg peppers. peppers right? Yeah, eggplants, peppers. Um, so there's a small group of people who can become sensitive to them. And I think it's the component in the nightshades that they react to. Um, so to really find out there's food sensitivity tests or the gold standards is to eliminate the food for a period of time and reintroduce the food to see if there is any reactions to those foods. And is this a time where lectins become a problem? Yes. So yes. That, lectins to the audience. Yeah. So lectin is a component. Um, you can find the most common place to find lectins actually in the beans. So I mentioned elimination diet and beans is also one of the common thing we initially eliminate. Um, so lectin, this component, it can bind to various tissues in our body. And this is going back to the immune system. So let's say in the uh, lectin binds to eye tissue, for example. So now to the immune system, the job of the immune system is to figure, are you my friend or are you foreign? If you are foreign, are you dangerous or are you not dangerous? So a lectin binds to a piece of eye tissue may become foreign and dangerous to the immune system. So immune system start to attack that piece of tissues. So that's where autoimmune comes into the place. And the same with like beans uh, and some grains, uh, lectins become an issue there and could cause uh, leaky gut or intestinal permeability. Mm -hmm. And then we get the immune, the immune system determining if it's friend or foe and right. or being confused, doesn't know the difference between friend and foe. And we right. wonder with autoimmune issues. That's correct. Yes, yes. And um, lectin also appears in soybeans. So that's that's a big one. And recently, I just had a big discussion with my my uh, client. Um, she is Asian, and her uh, soybean, soy milk, tofu is a big component of her diet. Um, and anyway, she has the thyroid eye disease. So this is what we talk about to eliminate to see if you know her conditions at least the progress slows down. And it's soy is a very big GMO product. Oh, definitely a big one. <laughs> I mean, we can down the rabbit. We can go down down the rabbit hole about this because um, you, you mentioned about chicken, right? So, what do we feed chickens, or what do you, the you know people feed chickens? A lot of time, it might be corns and soy, right? Soy. So, and then we eat a chicken. Are we eating soy indirectly? <laughs> 
right? Well, you, you know, you you are what you eat, or, and you exactly, are you eat. yes, so, yes. So I want to ask you, you know, green smoothies. The green smoothies are all the rage. A lot of people are drinking green <laughs> smoothies, but can they be getting too much oxalates from these green smoothies? <laughs> that's a good question. After lactin, this oxalate—that's a common uh, issue, right? The anti-nutrients. Um, oxalate. I mean, we we get oxalate from different sources and green um, vegetables, especially kale, right? That's a big. It can be a big source. Can we get too much of it? I think it comes down to how much are you drinking, what type of green uh, smoothie you are drinking, and does your body produce excessive oxalate and can your body get rid of them <laughs> so i don't feel like there's a yes or no like black and white answer <laughs> to this question and probably not to nutrition in general because it has to be so individualized and, and what kind of symptoms of you're getting if you're drinking too many green smoothies and all of a sudden you, you're noticing some back pain or some pain under your ribs or maybe even even uh, you're frequently urinating. Uh, what kind of symptoms can we get from too much oxalates besides so what I just mentioned? Um, kidney stones. <laughs> we don't want to get that, but that's one of the uh, common symptoms. What well, it can happen, but it, it forms crystals. Um, so and kidney stone is one of them. And the oxalates combine with calcium and and they form the kidney stones. Right, right. And what, how can we flush out the oxalates if we're getting too many ox, if we're getting too many of these oxalates? So hydration is definitely one and uh, magnesium combines to oxalate. And how about if, if, how about if you have more calcium Will that make things worse or better? Or actually, if you if you eat foods with more calcium, will it help get rid of the oxalates? Uh, yeah, it can because um, we can use calcium supplement to uh, bind to oxalate as well. But I tend to stay away from calcium supplement, um, and the reasons because excessive calcium can deposit in our blood vessels. And that caused another <laughs> um, issues. So if I know oxalate is causing problems with my clients, uh, my go-to is magnesium. And how about lemon juice? They've talked about lemon juice to maybe dissipate some of the uh, effects of citrates and indirectly get rid of some of the oxalates. Yeah, it, it's something... Um, I haven't recommend people to try, but it's something actually I do every morning or most of the mornings <laughs> to mm -hmm. lemon juice and salt and water. And, but I want to turn our attention to brain fog. You know, a lot of people suffer from brain fog where, mm -hmm. you know, many years ago, no one ever even heard the word brain fog, but now <laughs> it, it's common and, you know, people, you know, have trouble concentrating and trouble remembering things sometimes. And uh, and I noticed that, you know, it could be related to sleep or eating or maybe a vitamin B, D or omega-3 deficiency. Talk to us about brain fog, the causes, symptoms, and what we could do about it. Okay, this is a big topic. <laughs> so where do we start? Okay, brain fog. 
well, the first thing is that that's a, a sign of the brain is not getting enough energy. So since I'm trained in nutrition, the question is, why is the brain not getting enough energy? And brain fog is also a signal for neural inflammation. So when there is neural inflammation, that means the rest of the body, there's a systemic inflammation. So again, if you notice, my first approach is always, what are triggering the inflammation? So nutrition-wise, food, what is the person eating? Um, I actually experienced brain fog for a short period of time before, and I know my biggest trigger was um, sugary food. So I would, this is so embarrassing to talk about, but I'll, I'll just share the story. So for a period of time, I was, I was very addicted to sugar and I love chocolate cake. So I went to my birthday, uh, my daughter's friend's birthday party, you know, kid's birthday party. The parents offered me chocolate cake. I had not one, not two, three pieces. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I said, embarrassed to share. And after that, um, I had brain fog for the entire afternoon. So I know how that feel. Um, so blood sugar balance, it's one um, key to think about. And I mentioned sugary product. So the, the blood sugar water coaster, that's one way to cause brain fog. Um, and how about the brain not getting enough oxygen, you know, maybe from anemia, mm -hmm. a, a, a traumatic brain injury, yes, or sleep apnea, if you could talk about that. Yes, definitely. So oxygen is essential for life. How, I, mean, I mean, how long can we hold the breath? Not very long, right? So um, anemia is something we always have to address. And again, what's causing anemia? Is it iron deficiency anemia? Is it from different B vitamins? And is it because of chronic illness that can cause anemia? So we have to address anemia. And sleep apnea, this is where I defer to physicians. And I do have a client who has sleep apnea. She can, he cannot sleep. Um, so he has brain fog. He cannot spell his daughter's name at times. <laughs> so that was a warning sign for him to get help. But sleep apnea, that has to be addressed because fundamentally it affects sleep. Um, it affects all aspects of um, life in terms of performance and health and everything. Um, what else? Traumatic brain injury. Yes, that's, I usually defer that to physician as well. But fundamentally, regardless, um, nutrition is a foundation. So what food are we eating to get the energy to the brain? Let's talk about managing stress, you know, uh, or mastering stress. I mean, you're very interesting, <laughs> interested in stress and stress reduction. Talk to us a little bit about that. So um, you and I know that stress is everywhere, right? <laughs> so who is not stressed out? I, uh, you know, I always wonder this question. The, the interesting thing I will share is we know the stresses are there. Um, most people have the stress out feelings and this is among my clients and most of my clients, they tell me that they manage stress well. I don't know what you think about that, but <laughs> I don't know anyone that manages stress well. <laughs> but, but it's have... some, go ahead. No, you have some, uh, breathing techniques 
But tell us about stress and cortisol before we go into the breathing techniques. When we're stressed out and the cortisol level comes up, tell us what cortisol is, this, this hormone, and what it does to our blood pressure, heart rate, digestion, immune system. Mm -hmm. Why do we get sick easier if we were under stress? Sure. So um, let's say stress. So let's just pretend we are like cavemen, cavewoman. Okay, so now there is a saber-toothed tiger chasing me. That is a very stressful situation. And I need to run away from the tiger. So what does my body respond? So now a tiger is chasing me. That's an event that's happening. So my body has a response with cortisol, which is a stress hormone. So when cortisol is released, now I have the energy in my muscle because cortisol increased blood sugar. Um, cortisol also divert blood flow more to the muscles. So I can run away very fast. So at the same time, the cortisol um, decreased the digestion because when you're running away from the tiger, who cares about whether you're digesting food, right? You need to run away first. Um, same thing as the immune system. You're fighting an external tiger. You're not fighting anything internal because we had to get away from the tiger first. So cortisol decreased the immune system's ability to fight pathogens. Um, so that's why um, you hear, oh, well, I get sick when I'm really stressed out. And even in the autoimmune population, you're going to hear the very first time they were diagnosed with autoimmune, more likely it's because they undergo, they were undergoing a very stressful event or events like losing a job, like divorce or things like that, that trigger the autoimmune um, condition. And you talk about breathing techniques to help deal mm -hmm. with stress. Can you help us through that? So for people listening, uh, could if they feel stressed or every day they could go through, or maybe a couple of times a day, they could go through these breathing exercises to help them with stress. Yeah, when I mentioned this to my client, they are like, what? I know how to breathe. <laughs> okay. But there's a technique and there are actually many, many te techniques. But the technique I usually recommend, I and I personally use is, it's actually very simple. So you breathing the air um, three seconds and then you hold for three seconds and then you um, breathe out for six seconds. And when you're doing this breathing technique, we wanna make sure that we are breathing from our belly, not from the lungs. So relax your body and practice that technique. So it's the um, the long exhalation that activates the vagus nerve system. So you're, I'm sure your next question is, well, what is the vagus nerve system? <laughs> so that's the, the nervous system, the part of nervous system that runs from the brain to the gut and other areas too. Um, that's the nervous system that's responsible for rest and digest. And are you breathing through your nose or your mouth? Uh, breathing through your nose. Both and, inhaling and exhaling. Yes, too. that's what I do. Yes. So we're yes. finishing up our show part part one of our show because I'm going to ask Dr. Ye to come back because 
I never did get to the hypnosis, and I, I, I promised the audience that we're going to talk about hypnosis. I'm speaking with Dr. Sharon Yeh. Dr. Yeh, if people want to get in touch with you, they want to learn more about you, how can they do it? So they can find me at uh, my website um, and also the email info at drsharonyeh.com. And I am on Facebook. Just, just look up Sharon Ye. So actually my profile is public, so it's really easy to find. In Instagram, it's called uh, The Sharon Ye. And I'll send you uh, the link if needed. And if somebody wants to become a client, how could they do that? Uh, so go to my website and request for a complimentary, like 30 minutes initial um, discovery call. So that's where we can discover if uh, I can help you and uh, if we are a good fit. Well, I want to thank Dr. Sharon Yeh for joining me today. This has been a wonderful discussion. <laughs> and she told me she'll come back next week and we'll talk about hypnosis and we'll talk more about stress. Dr. Yeh is a clinical pharmacist, so she knows a lot about different medications. So if you do become a client and you're on a lot of medications, she can help you sort through the side effects of that. She's also a certified nutrition specialist, as I said, a, a hypnotist or an, ex an expert in hypnosis to help people with their health problems. This is Dr. Kerry Gelb for Open Your Eyes Radio on AM 1280 The Patriot. Until next week, thank you for joining me. The All Eyes Visual All VRP is a portable vision testing platform that includes visual fields, acuity, color vision testing, pupillometry, and extraocular motility. The visual leverages virtual reality, artificial intelligence, and augmented technologies to enable eye care providers to test for and monitor common eye diseases. Visit alleyes.com for more information. Your eyes and your vision are under attack, damaging blue light from the sun. Your phone, your computer, your tablet, even light bulbs and car headlights is constantly bombarding you. The good news is our eyes actually already have a line of defense to counter the effects of blue light. This defense is made up of three pigments called carotenoids. MacuHealth with Micromicel, the only supplement with the exclusive patent on all three macular carotenoids and Micromicel technology. Fitting multifocal contact lenses presents a big opportunity to meet patient needs while growing your practice. Alcon is your partner not only with our innovative portfolio, but through e-learning. Learn to enhance your multifocal strategy today with the Alcon Experience Academy. OIE Broadcasting is the emerging leader in social media. We use scientific entertainment to drive more patients into your office. Visit OIEBroadcasting.com and sign up today.